in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 190. Sinestro. One through three. Yeah. Finally getting around to it. Awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, four is not out yet, right? No, I think four comes out next week. It looks like it's on the schedule with Red Lantern. So that's the week we get our double dose of Green Lantern books. And it should be a good one because that should be the, epi- the episode again. The issue when Hal and Sinestro interact for the first time since Wrath of the First Lantern. It's pretty awesome. Uh, Sinestro, the uh, Lantern series, so good. Uh, Chad actually owns it in paperback form. <laughs> and not a graphic novel yet either. No, no I mean, the I, I own physical copies of each issue. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, no preamble, really. Uh, well, actually, maybe a little bit of preamble. Because you said you're going to take number one and number three. And without you know taking anything away from you he says something in issue one about how parallax is no longer with him would you like to give anybody a rundown on what has happened to sinestro prior to page one of issue one you mean what forever up to, up to like forever evil that aspect of- yes because you read forever evil and you know all that stuff i did not no i did but off the top of my head the most the most i mean re- it just depends how much detail you want. I know he ended up in Forever Evil. He was helping Lex Luthor in his in, in his group, including he and Black Black Adam seem to have a nice little bromance going, and they, they seem to understand each other and be you know two sides of a coin. And Sinestro had a nice little square battle with uh, Power Ring, which ended up with Power Ring being killed. So, which I guess has led to Jessica Cruz getting the ring. Though I haven't read that yet, but that's who the new female power ring. But in the in Forever Evil, Sinestro still had parallax. He still had parallax inside of him, and somewhere between the end of Forever Evil and the beginning of this issue, he is no longer the host of Parallax. But that's something we're supposed to find out exactly how that all played out, either by the end of issue four or certainly by issue five of this series. We're supposed to know exactly where Parallax is. You know, it's no no real teasing about you know playing dragging this out for like twelve issues. We're supposed to know pretty much straight straight on as soon as he and Hal start interacting. We're gonna supposed to find out exactly where Sinestro has put Parallax or where Parallax is is in general, where the entities couldn't get him back during uh, Relic and, and Lights Out. Oh, so DC hasn't done anything with this that we're supposed to have read or known about then. Just, as, Sinestro just says something, and that's just a tease yeah. As what, far as yeah, okay. As, you know, as far as I know, that the last appearance of Sinestro was in Forever Evil. He still had Parallax in him then, but when the series begins, he doesn't. And I guess we're going to find out that uh, we are going to find out exactly why and where um, Parallax is soon enough. All right, then. Well, uh, issue one, go ahead. Cool. So we begin, conveniently enough, in Forgotten Space. <laughs> where you have Sinestro in his little, almost like a Jedi Knight uniform, his little cloak there. And one of the good things about this issue, and we and and the next mystery episode, we talk about this a little bit too. The fact that it's a rarity when you actually get a real, 
kind of like a in-depth glimpse into Sinestro's thought process and the way he's thinking. And that's one of the good things about this book is you really do get a lot of Sinestro's view on everything. So you he begin we begin on this planet. It, it's a it uh it's a Sinestro again with a with a hood almost and a cloak almost like a monk, and which is convenient because he's talking about that this was a great temple and there was a secluded sect of monks here who basically thought their faith could protect them from everything. But of course, before as Sinestro thinks to himself, before inevitability, faith breaks and is replaced by fear. He kind of laments or for, again. Besides lamenting, it's kind of like giving new readers a glimpse or a background into Sinestro, saying, I was once the greatest lantern of two cores, and now after you know he, he swore oaths to both the blackest of days and nights, he is alone. He removes the, you know, he removes the cloak, and you, see that it's, you do see that it's Sinestro surrounded by this like multi-eyed tiger-looking creature. He, again, for whatever reason, he seems to... I don't know if he feels a bond with these monks, but he keeps refer, refer, you know, referencing them, the fact that you know he... Under different circumstances, he could have been a mentor to these priests, or he could have been their protector, or maybe even their god. But at this point, Sinestro kind of is almost, a, for him anyway, he's kind of a defeatist in the fact that he is kind of acknowledging the inevitable. Because at this point, he has he's wrapped essentially in bandages with some teeth around his neck, which I'm assuming he took from some of these creatures. But he doesn't have a power ring. Oh, he does, he has a power ring. He doesn't have any power, so he's kind of he talks about he talks about the fact that he's been training, basically been fighting off these creatures, you know, and te- and teaching them kind of inadvertently as he goes, and they've been learning. So it's almost inevitable that he's going to be killed because eventually they're going to learn how to how to defeat him. But he says that he's not afraid by that. He does as as Chad as Chad brought up. He mentions parallax that he. How, because he talks about how he drew his strength from fear as a yellow lantern, and he went so far as to fuse himself with the fear entity. And he acknowledges that controlling it was a constant struggle, and one that has now ended. So that's where we get the you know, the absolute clarity in the storyline, makes it crystal clear that he is no longer the host of Parallax. You see Sinestro fighting these tiger-like creatures, where he still acknowledges the fact that they're getting better, they're, 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 growing, you know, they're, they're growing more cunning, they're sacrificing the weak, you know, to try to flank him with the with the strong, and this is where he makes he points out that you know when his students have learned all they can, they will feed. And again, he he reiterates, "I am not afraid." At that point, some yellow energy comes by, uh, comes I mean, comes out of nowhere seemingly, and, and attacks and blasts these tiger-like creatures. Sinestro is completely puzzled by what's going on. We find out that it is Lissa Drac who has found Sinestro and. This was kind of hinted at, hinted at back in the in previous issues of was was that Green was that Green Lantern that they hinted it at that Lissa Drac was uh, looking for Sinestro. I'm trying to remember exactly where I was. Um, well, when you when you found out for the first time that she had the tattoos, that she had the Book of Parallax all over herself, or was that oh that was the what was that the that was the, that was the uh, one shot, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was the Villains Month. That was the Villains Month one shot. Um, so it's so it's Lissa Drac who has been searching for. Sinestro. Sinestro, again, his, his thoughts are pretty interesting. He mentions the fact that uh, Lissa Drac, he was the lore keeper of the Yellow Lanterns among his first recruits and the most insane. And he's kind of completely confused about what she, what she wants, whether she's there to kill him. or But, but Lissa Drac is essentially there to try to get Sinestro back in the game. She tries to point out that you know self-imposed exile really doesn't become him, that the Sinestro Corps kind of is... is 
as far as she's concerned, is it's leader it's it's leaderless without him. That even though uh, Arkillo technically is controlling the core and he's having the wep- the weapon or, you know make rings by the hundreds to try to he's trying to exponentially increase the size of the Sinestro core because Arkillo is planning to go to war against the Green Lanterns. And that's the first tactic Lissa Drac tries to use to get Sinestro to come back, but Sinestro really doesn't care about that. And you have a, a brief, a few panels where you basically see a, a Sinestro back with Aaron and a, a panel of Sinestro with Sorenik. And he's kind of, once again, he's kind of just kind of, again, lamenting how he's gotten to this point in the, in the destruction of Korrigar. She, Lissa Drac points out that the Yellow Lanterns aren't the only ones who are suffering, that the, the, the tide of universal nothingness, she refers to it as, is risingness, is, is risingness, uh, is ri- of nothingness, is rising. A religion of anti-emotion is growing, called the paling, and fear, she believes fear is the counter-engine to that, and that can turn back the flood. And Sinestro kind of picks up on the fact that, okay, you've seen this, so what are you, a prophet now? And he goes, since when could you foretell a, and she points out, well, though the Book of Parallax has been destroyed, I carry the burden of its narrative. And that's when she reveals to Sinestro what we had seen previously, that the Book of Parallax is printed on her body, including her tongue. Um, Sinestro kind of acknowledges that, you know, both that uh, he points out that you've mutilated yourself. And she goes, well, we've both kind of changed, haven't we? And that's when finally Slyssa Drak basically plays the Korrigar card, which is the thing that works with Sinestro, she points out that there are other Korgorians alive, that one, many who escaped their homeworlds, a lot of which as we find out, escaped their homeworld because of Sinestro and the fear of of Sinestro returning and everything, that the influence of Sinestro, but either way she appeals to him that you know, those who fled, that they, they need, basically they need Sinestro, that that's his role. That you know, if, if Korrigor is that important to him, that he, his job is to protect his remaining citizens. And she, um, this kind of stuns Sinestro. He because some of these Korrigorians are being persecuted for their, you know, being persecuted for their weakness, hounded for the things Sinestro has done. And at, it's at this moment that Sinestro, for the first time in a long time, actually feels fear. Uh, his ring, fear acknowledges this and says fear detected emergency protocols initiated so an emergency supply of power basically comes back to sinestro's ring and charges him charges it but of course it's barely anything it basically it gets his ring to like two percent and he acknowledges that it's not enough but sinest but uh lissa drag puts the ring towards her chest but on bum and <laughs> and she charges his ring up quickly you know, to a hundred percent. Come on, baby, light my yeah. fire. <laughs> um, a, a Sinestro acknowledges that her touch th- you know, fuels him, but that she is different. And maybe, you know, we perhaps her new gifts are as great as she claimed. And basically, he says, he tells uh, Lissa, "Well, okay, this is what you said about the Corrigorians. Basically, show me." And she ta- they they go to Sector Twenty Sixty Six. The was it the Skyrail, the Sickrail. Sikrel Nebula, mm-hmm. and there's a, a ship where basically there are going to be tributes. These sleeping, they're not just all Corrigorians that are basically in, in stasis, but all everyone who is in stasis is going to be a sacrifice basically to, uh, to this paling, to this church of non-emotion. Sinestro breaks in, he, en- he engages them in battle along with Lissa Drac, 
they stupidly, I don't know what, how this person could think this, but they think that Sinestro might be one of the, one of the paling, one of the pale vicars. And Sinestro pretty much just smacks the crap out of this person, knocks him through, knocks him out of the ship. Uh, Blissa Drac points out she's found the Corrigorians, so she and Sinestro rescue, the, take the the stasis chambers of the Corrigorians, and they fly and they take them to Sector three o five two, which is seemingly, well, not seemingly, but it's where the um, Sinestro Corps has basically made their new base, kind of, kind of essentially hiding. What, is it a meteor they're hiding in? Like a is that what it is, Chad? It looks for like for the most part, like an asteroid or something. yeah, an asteroid or a meteor. Sinestro points out it's kind of pathetic for the for you know his core to be hiding and living in shadows. It's humiliating. Lissa Drac takes that opportunity to point out, well, I told you things are I told you things are bad. Sinestro, you know, all the yellow lanterns are hiding except for one, you know, bug-looking one who finally comes out. And Sinestro points out, is this any way to greet your leader? And, of course, Arkillo is the first one to say, I see no leader. And Ar- and Sinestro, his thoughts about Arkillo is that he's among the most brutal of my lanterns and the most loyal. It's no surprise that he holds me in contempt, which is a point we'll probably get back to, which is that poor Arkillo is always kind of yanked. His chain is, is constantly being yanked by Sinestro because he essentially is the most loyal to Sinestro. And he, and he loves Sinestro in his own way, as we saw in the New Guardian storyline with um, – how with the images that St. Walker used to help calm Sinestro and eventually heal Sine- uh, Arkillo's tongue had to do with the fact that how it reflected how loyal he was to Sinestro and how he essentially felt hurt and betrayed by Sinestro. Arkillo points out, your leadership is no longer recognized. These are my lanterns now, the Arkillo Corps. Sinestro, of course, can't resist the jab that this is not exactly the first time you tried to take over when I was gone and you didn't get the first time didn't exactly go too well referring to when eventually Mongol beat him and took over the core he points out that why are you planning a war against the Green Lanterns you can't possibly think you stand a chance against them our killer goes and why not my crusade has barely started and I've already claimed my first prisoner and he and that with that he reveals that Sorn you know Sornik who was captured by our and issues of core that she's basically, you know, in a con- yellow constructed, almost like a, it's kind of like a lab table, but it's kind of like also like a, it's kind of hard to describe it, really. It's but it's kind of almost looks like a, a laboratory table or an examination table, and she's t- she's latched in, tied in. Sinestro notices her and he goes, Sornik, and she goes, "Hello, father, you bastard," and thus ends episode. I mean, issue one. Really good, uh, first issue. I loved the first issue. It was really good. Yeah. Um, I got to say, when I saw it was first solicited, I wasn't really a big fan of... Uh, oh, okay, I won't say big fan of the art. Uh, I, the, the the cover was... I was like, eh, I don't know about this. But once I started reading it, and you know, I saw the, the tone of the book, um, both uh, story-wise as far, and uh, like physically, as far as like the colors and stuff like that, when I saw some of the creatures, like the tiger, when I saw the way Lysa was drawn and everything, I really, really enjoy the art. Yes, and I didn't say, but it's written by Cullen Bunn and drawn by Dale Eaglesham, and these were the creators who worked on the Sinestro Villains Month one-shot that we referred to earlier in the review. Right. So, which at that point, you probably suspect they already knew they were getting this book, but still. Right, and the and the the Dale Eaglesham, I, I don't know off the top of my head what I've experienced him with, but uh, Cullen Bunn, I know, was one of the writers, uh, writers, artists, I think writer, of The Sixth Gun. 
when it first started, which is a popular uh, comic book series. It's, uh, I think, from... Oh, God. I'm spacing. Zen- no, not Zenoscope. Uh, uh, whatever. I, it, it, look it up. The Six Gun. Oni Press. There you go. Uh, Oni Press. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's a good series. It's been going for a long, long time. I don't know if Cullen's still writing it or not. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's got, uh, at least a pedigree with me as far as I'm concerned with the stuff I enjoy in, uh, for, from him. Um, Sinestro is a badass throughout this. Um, Lysa is creepy, especially when she first shows up. You've got the swirls around her, both her cloak and smoke and shadow and all of this, which is really cool. Um, uh, the, the, the colors on, uh, at least as far as the lighting is concerned, especially when Arkillo and the Weaponer are shown in that one panel, like the way the shadows and the light are playing, that's really cool looking. Uh, the, the the paling actually looks pale. I mean, they're surrounded by grays and blacks and super, super light turquoises and stuff like that, which is which is really cool, a really cool effect. Um, even the concept is kind of cool at this stage. Yeah, um... Uh, the detail in the art is like when uh, Lysa and uh, Sinestro bu- bust into that uh, ship the first time. You can see all the detail on all the computer monitors and the backgrounds and the way everything's laid out. And it looks like it's got rust on it or, is, you know, you know, the, you know, the effect that people keep talking about when you, you want to do a good sci-fi. Like, for instance, one of the cool things about Star Wars was it was set, you know, a long time ago, time ago or whatever in a galaxy far, far away, and everything felt old and used rather than brand new, shiny, futuristic. You, right, kind of like in the original Alien too. Was kind of like uh, kind of like in Firefly as well. Uh, you know, all, all the all the hallmarks, at least um, visually, of 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 a, a universe that involves you. That is here, especially in this uh, little kind of half page spread here. When Lysa breaks that one dude's neck, that is an awesome-looking panel. Sinestro's his facial expressions—he's—he's—he doesn't have a whole lot of facial expressions, and, I, and the reason I say this because not—I—I I, I finally have the 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 DC uh, deck builder game, and it's sitting on my printer right next to me, and I'm kind of looking throughout the all the facial expressions of Sinestro on this in this book. But the, the deck building game is twi- turned towards me so that the Sinestro face that's on that book is facing towards me as well. And he's got that same kind of smirk scowl on his face. Yes. <laughs> that's a good way to describe it. Um, that is the look on his face in probably 90% of the issue. <laughs> right. And and to be to be fair, Sinestro almost always has that face and he's or a similar face. But despite his small range of faces... He still managed to sh- evoke. They still managed to evoke a lot of emotion out of him. Like for instance, when he's looking over the sleeping Corgarians, that look on his face. There's no smile, no nothing like that. But you can tell he's like. I hesitate to use the word love because that's not it. But you you kind of get what I'm saying there. Yes. That 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 clearly shows through there. Uh, he's cool as a cucumber when going up against Arkillo, um, or when confronted by Arkillo. And the only time you ever really see any surprises is when Sora shows up. So, I mean, and all the creature designs for these new lanterns look pretty cool. Some of them are familiar, like that three-headed guy. Well, I say three-headed, one head, three faces. Yes. Uh, the blob with skeleton thing, Arkillo, of course. Yeah, I mean, the art is just fantastic throughout this. Uh, and I'm just saying that that because. My initial reaction when I first saw the cover alone, even though we had read the Villains Month one shot, 
I was kind of uncertain about how it would play out. But now that I've seen like the tone of the book, where it's set, what we're going with this, I really enjoy it. <clears throat> I do too. This is as we get as we'll probably say, talk more once we finish all three issues. This is already really high in my list of Lantern books. Um, the storytelling itself, I mean, not a whole lot to say there. Mark pretty much went over every nook and cranny on that one. Um, so, I mean, there's not a whole lot to explore there. Um, I do like that Sinestro, there, you know, like, um, I don't know if you, if you or the listeners listening now remember, but back when, uh, back when, uh, Jim and I were covering, uh, the Dragon Lord Elseworlds, the, the, the main character in there was given the ring and then kept like throwing the ring away to prove to himself that he was good enough to deserve the ring. And he did it more than once. So like he proved it to himself and then threw it away because he wasn't sure and proved it to himself again and again. This is kind of like that, but better, like, but done right. Sinestro has the ability to use the ring and he, because he, he knows how to spark the ring. So like when he feels fear and sparks it in this issue, that's not a surprise to him. He knows he has the ability to do that, but he just doesn't go about it. He's, 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 it's like a moment of Zen. It's done very well. He's the way, he, I mean, uh, I, I hate to comment on it, but you know, cause I've seen, I kind of feel weird doing it, but he looks buff as all get out when he's going up against this tiger. I, yes. I mean, he is, he is ripped from head to toe and taking on this tiger that, I don't know. It's got like six legs and four eyes or something. It's it's like it's like the size of a very very large polar bear, and he's going against it no problem. Uh, it's it's really it's really cool. I, I do like even even down to the to the, uh, the the word bubbles I like, especially with Lysa. Her actual bubbles are the same as any of them, but the actual like the line that points to the mouth is all kind of smoky. Which kind of evokes the? I know this sounds kind of you know you know how like when you're watching TV or something and somebody's like you know high or whatever and they talk a certain way, I kind of I kind of get the feeling that Lysa is talking like somebody who is high slash combined with the whole kind of spooky mysticism atypical talk you get when someone is supposed to be like a mystic or something. Right. I kind of I I, I can I can just by that one little kind of smoky squiggle that comes out for each kind of. Uh, each thing that she says, it, you, you kind of hear Lysa, which is awesome. So, yeah, she comes across as she comes across very well in this. I mean, freaky, like you said, uh, and she's been a she's been a character that's kind of been hot and cold, not just a Sinestro, but as far as I think even how I've kind of reacted to her because she was she was pretty she was pretty cool when she originally was the keeper of the book of parallax when she kind of like jumped ship over to the book of the black not so much but yeah but her it's, it's interesting whatever you know her new powers if you will or what you know what she brings to the table is kind of intriguing mm-hmm. i like the fact that this book is it, it doesn't scare me or anything but there is a creepy factor to it which I like. It's a book about Sinestro, and then will of course become about the Sinestro core, and of course become about fear. So there should be an overwhelming sense of fear and 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 all of this stuff in this book. And even though it's not overly saturated, I think it's at least for this first issue, there's enough in it that it, I agree. Yeah. Anything else you want to say about issue uh, issue number one? No, I think we. I think issue one is 
I think we got that covered. And anything else we think of, I guess we can throw in at the end. Okay. Uh, issue number two, uh, we pick up uh, the ship that uh, Lysa and Sinestro tore apart, kind of floating out in the void. Uh, the the paling shows up um, and says, if, you know, fear has been used here uh, as a weapon to defile our sacred tributes. You know, and then the other guy, the other member of the paling says, fear that can be tracked. Uh, we cut over back to the uh, asteroid, uh, whatever it may be, uh, where Sinestro is going up against the Sinestro core, such as it is. He's commenting on the fact that there are lanterns he uh, he uh, knows, lanterns he don't know, he doesn't know, and lanterns he doesn't know, but he who aren't fighting him who are hanging back and kind of watching him, uh, just as uh, Sinestro is watching them, uh, and that you know Sinestro didn't want to fight, but you know it, it came down to it. Arkillo is you know you shouldn't have come back. Uh, Sinestro is like, well you're not even you're not the lantern you were meant to be. You, you abandoned us, you, uh, our kills, you abandoned us, you betrayed us. Uh, and then uh, Sinestro says something pretty pretty interesting. You betrayed me, all of you, when you forgot the code. It is our edict to bring order to enforce justice through fear. And then attacks uh, Arkillo with constructs of the very same tigers that uh, were fighting him uh, earlier on in issue one. Uh, and he says... The Sinestro Corps does not start a war against the Green Lanterns or anyone else for anything so fleeting as revenge. Uh, he says, we can stop all this if you just say two little words. And then Sinestro, I mean, our killer goes, I yield. And then uh, Sinestro throws him against the wall. Another uh, Sinestro Corps member, looks like Cthulhu, kind of, uh, comes up and says, you know. Squid boy. Yeah, <laughs> says, says, we will not yield. And then uh, Sinestro not only kills him. As the ring sings, you know, flies off of him and seeks a replacement, Sinestro melts slash dissolves the ring in midair, which causes everybody to stop and go, uh, let me see if I read a couple. He destroyed the ring with a thought. Has he always been so powerful? We should have been warned. This is not the Sinestro I remember. So Sinestro's like, anybody else? And then they take Arkillo off. Lysa, he turns to Lysa and says, I want to have a word with a few of these uh, lanterns. Uh, Elias is like, I already know, I'll get him for you. Uh, and then Sinestro talks to his uh, to Sora, uh, and he he she he explains to her what's been going on a little bit. Um, he says it's not my fault. She's like, of course it is. You started this core. Basically, basically it is his fault. It's his responsibility. Um, he takes her to show her the core guardians and tells him. Uh, she's like, this is a trick. You're trying to get me to not go back to the Green Lanterns. And he's like, I'll, I'll escort you out myself if you want, but before you make up your mind, I want you to look in on another patient, which is Arkillo, and she's uh, sent him to fix him up, but this might pinch a little. <laughs> uh, Sinestro starts talking to uh, a couple of the lanterns who are named Rigan, Rigan, Kale, and Des Trivi Trivius, um, and says, you know, kind of talking to them about um, gathering a, a host of lanterns to accompany Sinestro on an outing. Choose from among those you feel will be most vocal. in uh, these this uh, just is a way to kind of um, you know entice the lanterns who are not quite so sure and probably won't follow Sinestro to the end uh, to kind of bring him closer to him. Um, Lysa kind of warns him again about the, uh, the 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 Church of Anti Emotion that she can't that he can't trust these lanterns, which he says to which he says right now I don't need loyalty I need control. And he flies off to Sector 3567 to ne Necropolis, which is a 
is or slash or was a prison planet. He says that uh, basically this this planet uh, was thrown with some of the most vicious people in the universe who are now old. And this moon that's in orbit over here, this is where the wardens watched over from him. The wardens are also gone. We're going to take the planet for the Corrigarians and the moon for the Sinestro Corps. So they go down onto the planet planet side and start obliterating all these former convicts or current convicts. At this point, Sinestro then direct, directs the two lanterns uh, to kill the other lanterns um, and that uh, he's just getting started. And next, the paling. What do you think? I liked it. I think I liked the first issue a tad better, but I did. I I really enjoy the interaction between Sornik and Sinestro, mm-hmm. and the drawing and the way Sinestro. I mean, the way uh, Sornik is drawn, which is slightly, you know, facially, it's it's, it's different. I think, but I kind of like it. He does. He kind of draws a really nice Sornik, even though again, it's not your, not just from a cleavage point of view, just <laughs> facially and hair wise. I mean, even though she's she's kind of beaten up and battered, I kind of like the. Re- Going, you know, the fact that clearly their relationship is going to be a big factor in this book, and I I like that. I feel bad for Arkillo. <laughs> I really feel bad for Arkillo. I mean, he kind of gets what he deserves, at least with Sorenik. Because Sorenik, you know, he did kind of torture Sorenik, even if it wasn't all, as as much maybe physically as it was mentally. And but uh, the fact that Turnabout is fair play when he's sitting on the table and, and he's all beat up, and, and she's going to quote unquote nurse him back to health. When you were talking about uh, the conversation between uh, Sinestro and Lissa there, the, the, the thing that I really liked is when she's pointing out that you can't trust these lanterns, and he points out, my dear, you're my closest advisor, and I don't even trust you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which, which is logical, because, how, I mean, her loyalty is like the wind, too, so. One thing I wanted to, because in the very first page you see the paling, and you don't really see him for the rest of the issue. Um, this one panel where they're holding their staffs and everything, and they're surrounded by this kind of energy. Do you think this is a new Lantern Corps? No, uh, a, I don't. A core powered by non-emotion. The lack, the lack of emotion. Yeah. I guess it could be. I mean, it's. I mean, because I guess it technically it wouldn't be part of the spectrum since it wouldn't be emotion. Well, I mean, look, look, let's just look at this one panel. Just by well, these well, this panel and the next one. Fear has been used here. First of all, they can detect the use of another uh, of an emotion. Now, whether that means they they themselves wield some sort of lantern light, I, I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying most some lanterns can detect the use of another another uh, emotional you know power, and they say not only that they can track that fear. Okay, uh, again, possible by some other like for instance the 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 violet lanterns can track love. They can feel it from a distance, and they can, you know, go to it when it's in danger. They're surrounded by energy. They're carrying staves. Not they're not they're not wearing any rings that I can tell, but they're carrying staves, which of course the uh, com- the uh, Indigo Tribe does. So there 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 are plenty of uh, and they they almost looks like they have uniforms of of a of a type. So I mean, just just by cues, I can say that they, you know, uh, it's possible they could be a type of lantern. It is possible. I'm not sure if we're going to find out that they're going to go that route, mm. but I, um, yeah, I mean, it is. It's as a as a threat at this point. Anyway, they're they're pretty interesting. I mean, it, to me, they're they're much more. I mean. The concept of or what, how they're going to use these characters seem or, already is more interesting to me than even 
the moment we got at the at the end of our our Durland thing, which we have yet to review, but but the way that ends, I think you're supposed to, in the next threat that they're supposed to deal with, which doesn't really seem much more interesting than the Durlands. <laughs> I'd rather them go against these guys, hmm. but I don't know. I I'm curious. I mean, they have me intrigued. So I guess as this series plays out in a few more issues, we're gonna I guess find out exactly what their power set is and probably where they, if not exactly where they came from, where they you know, we know what their goal is, but we'll just understand more about them. So that's yeah. I, I like how Sinestro is able to destroy this ring um, because that's something we've seen before, and it's nice to see that continued. Um, for those of you who don't remember, that was towards the beginning of the uh, New Fifty Two Green Lantern series when Sinestro was a Green Lantern. Um, we saw that. Uh, I think it was in the first story arc when he was going back to Korgar to uh, free the Korgarians from the Sinestro Corps rule. We saw him destroy a ring. And we also, I mean, we've seen for a while that he has, that basically he's, since it is his core, that he, pre- he pretty much has failsafes built into almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> anything and everything. I mean, we saw when he was fighting Mongol and Bla- in the Green Lantern issues of Blackest Night, too, the fact that, you know, that he has, he knows... That there are abilities about the ring that, that he knows, or abilities that he knows about that pretty much nobody else does. Right. And it was pretty impressive against Mongol, especially because we remember when Mongol first got the ring, he had nothing. He basically just sat there and had the ring tell him every every single ability that it has. Yeah. So it's it like it took what like 96 hours or whatever the hell it was supposed to take. Or but he said, "I have the time, so tell me." So, but there there were still things about the ring that pretty much only Sinestro knows about, and so it is pretty it is pretty cool is that he is kind of lord master of his own core and, and he also has made sure by almost by default by power set that it's going to be hard to ever for anybody to usurp him not really much to talk about in this particular issue but what do you think of um, these two lanterns Rigan and dez i'm not sure yet i'm kind of neutral on them i mean they could be they could be pretty i mean as enforcers of sinestro they could be short term they could be pretty cool uh again i don't really trust them either i would suspect they have their own agenda yeah. That so I don't necessarily know if they're going to be characters that long term are going to be helpful to Sinestro, but short term they are since he's trying to basically weed out the malcontents and rally the 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 once loyal and hope and for him hopefully now once again loyal soldiers to follow him. Mm. Kind of in a way, it's kind of hard to imagine those two being strong believers in the. Oh, that's something else we should talk about: the whole justice through fear, kind of. Yeah. command or concept that 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 which i which i which is i guess for them not in 100 percent entirely a new concept but i don't think it was ever spelled out like that before mm-hmm. that that was kind of like what his plan was for the for the sinestro core that to bring order through fear i mean it's kind of sinestro's whole mo i mean just the fact that he wants to uh claim the planet for the Korgarians and then have this moon which is the former warden post uh, for a prison planet but he wants to have the sinestro core look over you know kind of in orbit of the korgarians yeah it's kind of appropriate yeah i mean that that kind of that kind of i mean that if that doesn't say you know sinestro that even says old school sinestro he wanted right. he wanted to bring order to his to his planet and watch over them he was doing the exact same thing here very much true very much true indeed so we'll have to see. We'll have to see how that plays out. But yes, it's. But you would have to suspect, even if Sinestro is going to change his mo a little bit, that's not going to happen right away. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I think that's kind of what the goal is, and we get a little bit more of that in issue three. That the, you know, the Corgorians themselves are trying to kind of get that point, you know, through to Sinestro that that things were done differently before. You did things, we reacted to things, but now you know you were, but we can doesn't mean we have to do the same thing going forward. Right. So, but it was a good setup, though. Issue two was a good setup. And speaking of issue three, you want to go ahead and take it. Issue three. So we we I like that that we begin that you have you have the first issue and the first issue kind of it essentially begins in forgotten space so they don't really tell you where you are and now we begin somewhere in the armpit of the galaxy. That's attractive. <laughs> that they have a bunch of they have a bunch of uh, <laughs> you know the you know the music here. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is almost it is more like a, a again like a grungy rusty cantina like. <laughs> feels it looks very much like the innards in a way the color scheme wise of that ship from issue one you have a bunch of uh sinestro corps members who are again wearing jedi cloaks <laughs> how I, play the music again chad <laughs> that they're all talking. They're having a little conference amongst themselves, having their drinks about, you know, Sinestro can shove it. I joined the Corps because I wanted to bust some greens in the face, not because I wanted to play nursemaid to lost causes. They're kind of all agreeing, you know, that uh, they don't want to. They don't want to trust Sinestro. Uh, we don't want to be anywhere near Sinestro's witch, which is kind of funny because I thought of our, the Game of Thrones thing with uh, with the red woman there <laughs> when they're talking about Drac. <laughs> it's like, oh. Sinestro's got his own witch now. So as they're having their little their little plot, the little secret meeting there to, to basically revolt against Sinestro, or the paling shows up. Um, they point out that we you know we have tracked the stink of sin, and lo, you are found. You spread the heresy of fear, and the pale bishop orders the blasphemers are to be cleansed and made pure. You know he goes, you don't know who you're messing with with a Sinestro core, and of course. They respond by the Holy Inquisition begins now. I like the guy with his face all bandaged. That's pretty cool. It's the Invisible Man. Yeah, that is pretty. <laughs> Either that or uh, Dark Man. <laughs> Dark Man is back. Never seen that movie. Or was it? It was several movies, wasn't it? Yeah, only the first one had Liam Neeson in it, though. So that one was the better one. <laughs> uh, There's no was... time. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> A particular <laughs> set of skills. <laughs> I will find you. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of which, back to Sinestro and his skills. Back to Sector... That was a good segue. Back to Sector 3052. They basically are gathering... The Sinestro Corps, they're gathering up all, the, all their possessions, everything they have. Because they're planning on making their move to that uh, Warden, Warden Moon. That's no moon. That's a space station. That's another... <laughs> It does kind of look like one. Sinestro is overseeing this. Uh, Sornik comes up behind him and points out and says, Moving day? It's like, yes, Sornik. The Yellow Lanterns have crawled in the dirt for too long, and I found a more suitable base of operations. And she goes, so I've heard. A prison planet. One so, one so desolate it was abandoned. Sounds charming, and, it, and a prison is kind of where you deserve to be. 
and Sinestro again, even though he doesn't look stunned, I guess the turning the turn of his head would indicate to Sarnik that he wasn't expecting that. And he goes, "Don't be surprised. Yellow or yellow or green uh, lanterns gossip." And he goes, "It keeps us from going crazy, pretty much from going, you know, between missions." He kind of changes the subject. How are your patients? Are they ready to relocate? She says, "Come with me. See for yourself." Then you see the you know the the Corrigorians that um that were cat that were in stasis, they're now awake. You know, she points out you know, they have a few lingering effects from being in stasis, but otherwise they're fine. The lanterns, the Corgorians, excuse me, they see Sinestro and, and, and understandably so react in a negative fashion. You know, why have you brought us here? We fled Corgor to escape your insanity. Why can't you leave us alone? Those words kind of have an effect on Sinestro, mostly pissing him off, actually. He kind of points out, if I had left you alone, you know, you... You'd still be in stasis and sacrifice like cattle to some obscene religion. But if you're really so distraught, I could always cast you back into space. Uh, one female Corrigorian points out, you have to understand, for some of us, you are the fiend we dread. You know, we were captured, yes, and placed in a state of, you know, seemingly eternal sleep. You know, we were tormented by nightmares, nightmares of the day you might find us. And Sinestro asks what her name is. Uh, Umaral Jarta. She asked Sinestro to sit with us, to sit with them. You know, let let's talk. And he goes, "You speak for Korrigor." And he goes, "You know, for now, you know, until there's a better voice, you know, I'm the one who basically I basically do speak for Korrigor." And you know, once again, they get back to a point where Sinestro reacts to her using the term after Sinestro points out after all I've done, and he begins, you know, being typically egotistical Sinestro against all trying to point out all the good things that he's done for Korrigor. She quickly points out, you mean seizing control of our world, turning it into a breeding ground for fear, and turning the people into outcasts through, throughout all of space? Um, those of us who survived the destruction of our planet did so only because we we fled in secret from you, from you, from your rule. But she points out, I hope we can start anew if you will join us. And she kind of uh, Sinestro goes, I don't have time to coddle you right now. And perhaps the next Corrigorian I rescue will be a little, will feel a little more gratitude. Sorenik points out, you know, that the, the female, uh, Umaral Jarda has a good point. You couldn't have expected them to trust you. Not after all you've done, could you? And she, and Sinestro goes to Sorenik, like, like, what about you? Can't you see what I've done for them? And she goes, I'm your prisoner. So what does it matter what I think? But she goes, oh, for the record, I can't, you know, I think you're a narcissistic monster. And Sinestro goes, just so we're clear, daughter, and she cuts him off at the knees, don't call me that. And he goes, fine. Just so we're clear, you're not my prisoner. Because you can leave any time. He goes, well, that's real easy considering I, you know, my Green Lantern ring has no charge. And, of course, right on cue, Lissa Drac is lurking in the shadows. He asks Lissa, did you bring what I, what I wanted you to bring? And he, she goes, yes. And a Green Lantern power battery appears. Sornik is... Is leery for multiple reasons, and and she immediately starts asking Sinestro, "How did you get this?" And he points out, "Don't I didn't. No one was harmed in the acquisition of this battery. I, this is kind of just an act of good faith on my part. If you want to leave, leave. If you don't, you know, stay. It's up. It's pretty much up to you." And she, she goes, "You know, you you kind of make it really simple. You're making it sound simple, and you know." She goes, well, unless I want the sons and daughters, unless I want to leave them in your care, Sinestro, I guess I'm not going anywhere. And Sinestro makes an interesting statement, which is as we get older, 
as you get older, you'll find out that we're all prisoners of our choices, which is a pretty deep statement and true. You see the central power battery, <laughs> and you see poor beaten up Arkillo with his arm in a cast and a huge lump on the top of his head. Um, you know, Rot Maru is kind of he's kind of challenging. Once again, another lantern that doesn't seem on board with with the new mission, the new marching orders, and he points out that you're gonna you know you're gonna do whatever Sinestro wants or else you'll savor it. One of the new lanterns, which which one's this, Chad? <laughs> uh, Daz. Yeah, it could be. The blonde yeah. one. Yeah, is it the blonde one? Is that who he is? Yeah, it's Daz. Daz. Daz, Daz. kind of like Dez. Yeah, D-E-Z. Dez kind of throws it in his face, making it sound like how quickly you fall in line and everything and. I like that one quote. I'm surprised your knees will support you, considering how easily they bend. How easily they bend. Yeah, that's a that that that's a good quote. It is it is it is kind of it is kind of ballsy about that. And you know, and uh, Sinestro kind of Sinestro kind of points out that uh, he he steps in to kind of put Des in his place. That you know, that Des likes to stir the pot, but he should be careful that he doesn't get burned himself. Um, Sinestro, I mean, uh, Killa sounding more and more again like Kilowog, like wipe the grin off your face. You know, when Sinestro's had enough of you, I'll be dishing out the punishment. Sornik interrupts. You know, there's, you know, she's, she points out that she's coming along because somebody needs to keep an eye on on all of you guys. Des doesn't exactly like that idea. Sinestro points out that, well, she's a skilled physician, so it makes sense that she comes along. Plus, the Green Lanterns are no longer our enemies. Having one of them come with us kind of gives us some distinct advantages, but of course, not everybody is thrilled with this, and they all kind of like a few, a few, a few lanterns kind of not, not really voice their displeasure. It's more like they grunt their displeasure, including Sinestro, who Arkillo, I mean, including Arkillo, who Sorna kind of flaunts in his face that like, I'm not really impressed by you puffed up little yellows, right, Arkillo? And he's kind of like, <laughs> uh, we end up back on. Now in sec- Sector 3502, the planet Muzz, not to be related to Muck Muck. And you have a bunch of... Muck uh, Muck? <laughs> Muzz, but no Muck Muck. Uh, a bunch of Korgorians are basically being auctioned off as slaves or food or pets or pretty much whatever anybody wants. Um, the, the auction begins. You know, it, it gets up to 10,000 credits. And of course, you hear a voice from the crowd go, I bid 250. He goes, 200 and... Perhaps the new bidder should pay attention, and Sinestro points out, I'm not speaking of credits or all, at all. I'm talking about the number of people in this crowd, so my bid is release the Korgorians now, and I spare 250 lives. Uh, the auctioneer is kind of like stunned there. Yellow Lantern's here. He goes, but we'll, we'll depart as soon as you give us what we've we've come for. And you pretty much can continue you know, peddling your your flesh, continuing your your slavery auctions. As long as we get what we want, we really don't. You know, we don't care. Of course, the the, uh, the auctioneers and the, the power behind them—they don't really care about. They don't really buy Sinestro's threat. Um, so you have a big battle. You have a battle page between you know the Yellow Lanterns and including, along with Sorinik, fighting. You know the warriors or the guard, the guards of these uh, auctioneers. And boy, Delissa Drac looks horrible in that one panel. Mm. She, she looks very Unlissa Drac, not like. Uh, while the, during the fight, Sorinik goes over to the Korgorians and she goes, "Please stay calm. There's no need to panic, and no one is going to be harmed." And as soon as she says that, you go back and you see the fact that pretty much everybody else is dead. That's that. 
because they stood up to the Sinestro Corps. You know, Sinestro points out, Kamal will take you to safety, and nobody comes to him. They're all scared, like most Korrigorians are of him. Sornik goes, uh, let me, you know, no one's going to harm you. I won't let them. Sinestro goes, we're done here. At this point, you hear, Sinestro Corps, you will submit. You shall be collected. You will be made pure and shall feel the pale bishop's congregation. Submit, submit to the Inquisition. As the paling arrives, and that ends issue three. What did you think? I like this issue. Yeah, it, the the art kind of got. Uh, was Rags Morales the other artist? That's the reason when it, at the end why it kind of got shakier. Yes, uh, that is Rags. Yeah, because his the artwork when he takes so he doesn't draw a bad Sinestro, especially a close up of his face. But a lot of the other lanterns, they don't look nearly as good as when Eagle Sham draws them. Right. And Lissa Drac looks absolutely atrocious. Ah, uh, she looks she looks okay. She she definitely looks creepy. Oh, she looks creepy, but she just, I mean, she doesn't look as streamlined. She doesn't, I don't know. And plus, they're not drawing the uh, tattoos on her again. But, well, the, I'm, I'm, the tattoos don't always appear. That's what I was going to, I was just about to say, unless it's one of those things where whenever she wants them to appear, then they flash. And you, which I kind of thought might have been the case, but it just, but it does kind of stand out sometimes, you know, because she looks so in, she looks so different with them, I think. I think that might be what it is, too. But I like the issue. I like the fact that we're finally getting a confrontation now. After you had the two-issue build-up, you're getting the confrontation between the Pale Vickers and the and, and the Paling, of the Paling, with Sinestro and his core. So I'm, I think it set, sets the stage nicely for the next issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what, do you, what do you think of, um, of, the, the, of the Pale Vickers? I mean, they, they, we didn't really... Not a whole lot happened with them, but you know they set a few more bubbles. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, what do you what do you think about that? The Inquisition thing has me in, has me intrigued. Uh-huh. That um, Col- I like you shall fact- be collected. Yes, I was just gonna say that. Good, good, good man. I was just gonna say you shall you shall be co- you shall be collected. Um. I like the fact that you know if the pale bishop orders the blasphemers, so that I get, you would assume the pale bishop is the one who's le- who's the, who's the boss of the uh, of the paling, or certainly of the pale vicars. But I would assume the pale that the pale bishop is the the go-to guy here in this group of non lantern lanterns or whatever they turn out to be. Yes, I like the fact that you sh- that you shall be collected, which makes it sound like they're collect- possibly collecting emotion. Maybe, or maybe their power is draining others of theirs, you know, like, you know, taking taking beings run by emotion, like Yellow Lanterns, and bringing them down to anti-emotion. They get more powerful the more people they convert. I mean, that's just going in with my whole Lantern theory. Another theory I had, and I don't know if you came across the same thing, considering he's your, you know, one of your favorite Lanterns, if not your favorite, um... Did you notice uh, the uh, pale vicar's face when he approached the them and the uh, the Sinestro Corps members uh, on in the cantina? Oh, that he looks a little like Saint Walker. Yes, he does. He's got the markings of Saint Walker. It kind of like is uh, I don't want to say skin tone because they all kind of have the same skin tone. They're pale vicars, but he does have what looks like the facial markings of of someone of Saint Walker's race. Yeah, I could see that. And he is cloaked, and he does have the whole. Um, 
I mean, and cloaked usually means you're. If he was uncloaked, you'd recognize this uh, something about this this person. And uh, he talks. The, the, he uses. Let me see. Uh, he uses the word at the end, Holy Inquisition. Here he says. Yeah, he says it again. Holy Inquisition, blasphemers. You spread heresy, sin. I mean, before before uh, Saint Walker was ever even uh, 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 a, a Blue Lantern, wasn't his people mostly you know fairly religious and yes. devoutly religious? As far as I remember. So, just another another little thing I noticed there. So, what did you think of this issue? I enjoyed it. I think it hopped around a little bit much. I, I do like. The thing I liked about the first the first two issues was it was fairly self-contained. Um, now I think that might just be me uh, because it, it does focus entirely on Sinestro for the most part. I think just Sinestro's scenes keep changing. He's looking over the lanterns and then he talks to the revived uh, Corgarians and then he goes and gets uh, her battery and then he talks to the the, the lanterns again. And then he goes to this other planet and then he confronts the Vickers. I mean, it, it, there's there's a bunch of stuff going. I think I think I like it. Doesn't bother me, but I didn't notice it. Let's put it that way. Um, and the 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 the, the well, well, in saying that, there's a, there's also a positive spin to that same quote unquote complaint. Um, basically, the fact that this story is moving along. It, it per issue, uh, and we're not talking like you know from issue one to issue three. It's obviously moved along. We're talking. From from issue one, page one, the plot progresses by the end, the time you get to the end of end of the issue. From the start of the second issue to the end of the second issue, their plot progresses a little more within that one comic by itself. And the same thing happens here. I do I do like that. There's obvious plot progression per issue. That is awesome. Yes, especially compared to some of the other books, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you think of Sora hanging around? As in why, or just the, or the, whether I like it, no, you, from a plot point of view, or per, just a personal point of view. From 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 her, what's what's her motivation? I think the on the surface motivation is what she's saying that she doesn't really trust Sinestro to basically be in charge of the remaining Corrigorians. But I think I think she's a, even though she probably wouldn't admit it, I think she's a little intrigued by what his the possibility that his motivation actually isn't just one hundred percent selfish here. Yeah. That I think she's kind of intrigued by the idea that maybe there's a little there's a little bit more to him than just being a narcissistic monster, as she refers to him as. Do you think she she feels responsible in the fact that if Sinestro were to escort her out, he'd probably do so, so that she doesn't know where they are, and that she's the only Lantern currently who knows Sinestro's whereabouts, and if she loses loses track of him now, you know. Well, not entirely, because I mean. I, she seemingly knows where they're going to be setting up base, where yeah, the plan, where, where the, where the plan where, at least what the plan is for where their basically new corridor is going to be. So I don't necessarily think that it's just that. I think she feels. I do think she feels responsible, and she doesn't want to run the risk of yeah letting Sinestro basically be running the entire show here when it comes to the remaining Corrigorians. So responsible she, in the fact that the closer she is to Sinestro, the more she can influence him and kind of like and keep, and keep the body keep count low. <laughs> and, like she's, and, like she, and like she points out in this issue that, uh, you know, no one's going to harm you because I won't let them. Right. That if worse comes to worse, she's going to, she will at least attempt to be the buffer between um, the Sinestro core and or Sinestro and 
the Korrigorian people if that's if that's necessary. Good issue though, absolutely. All, yeah, all it was good. Really good. I agree. All right, uh, listener feedback time. Listener feedback time. Oh, yes. okay. Listener feedback. So before Mark gets into it, because we got several emails, we're going to do all the emails that we have right now. We're going to uh, skip slash save uh, Twitter, Facebook for another issue or another episode. The reason being is next episode, guys, there is no listener feedback because it is a super big special episode, and uh, we will not say anything further. <laughs> Wee! <Wee-hoo. laughs> Super big special episode, uh, and uh, it continues a theme. <laughs> All right, so uh, you want to start with the first email? I will start with the first email. This is from this is from Scott. Um, he goes, "Hi guys, I just finished your four most recent episodes: <laughs> Green Lantern Corps twenty-five through twenty-seven. Uh, all the the New Guardians, same issues. Red Lanterns, the same number of issues, and the issue twenty-eights." I enjoyed them all. Thanks, Scott. I just had a few comments I wanted to pass along. You guys sounded pretty down on the Green Lantern Corps number 25 Batman Zero Year tie-in. He goes, I actually enjoyed it as a Jon Stewart character piece. I agree that the Kuhn-Durlin storyline is starting to seem endless, and I agree that that the group of Lanterns still refusing to use their rings is getting old already. I wonder when the stuff is going to start wrapping up. At least we know the answer to that one. Uh, Fatality is acting pretty violent by killing that dude when it wasn't really necessary. I guess she's still a killer at heart. Do you predict anything happening with her character in the future? John must have a fetish for the violent females or something. I don't really see the attraction. We actually have an answer for that one, too. <laughs> but we can't get I to also, yet. <laughs> I know, we can't. Without, yeah, we really... Actually, we, the Coon Durlin one we can answer just because it's not really... It's kind of not really, you know, secret knowledge. The other one we we, we couldn't for a while we can't answer your fatality question yes that we can't answer if you haven't if you don't know the answer yet yourselves we're gonna you're gonna have to wait at least a couple more episodes uh maybe not too long depending on how we decide to do these issues i also enjoyed the green lantern Corps annual but i agree with you that annuals should be one shots only in you know only instead of story one shots only instead of story content continuation it's refreshing to get a fun annual that has nothing to do with the current storyline uh he he mentioned something he asked me about he said under your breath i mentioned something about my one of my screenplays he goes was it green lantern related he asked chad you mentioned doing some of the satellite issues like supergirl smallville etc by blog instead of uh talking about them in the podcast in my humble opinion, I don't think too many people read blogs anymore. People find it hard fi- find it hard to find time to read blogs, but everyone has all the time in the world <laughs> to listen to podcasts on their way home from their daily commute. Maybe just your thoughts on these issues instead of full reviews would work. Uh, speaking of, I was wondering if you read Supergirl 28, which is the issue where she actually gets the red ring. Lobo, of all the people, was the final straw to get Carol, Carol, Kara all raged up. Good old Lobo still has it in him. Thanks, guys, and keep up the good work, Scott. What was the first thing he said? A, uh, the the Batman Zero Year tie-in uh, issue. Yeah, the uh, I think we even agreed that it was okay for a character issue on. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, I, we did. We said, especially if you are a John, if you either are a John Stewart fan or you gravitate at least somewhat towards John Stewart, and as a character piece, it would make it 
you could, we could definitely see how you could enjoy it. Yeah. Um, our, ne- but, our negativity streams mostly from the fact, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, Mark, but our, our negativity streams mostly for the fact, <laughs> excuse me, uh, from the fact that it was utterly useless as a zero-year tie-in. There was literally no point to this being a zero-year tie-in. It was force, force-fed to us as a zero-year tie-in. With, Other than to take, make it take place in Gotham, what you had Batman lurking at the end, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's, that's, that's it. <laughs> Takes place yeah, in Gotham. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's pretty much why we didn't. And it's a story. It was okay, but as other people have pointed out, you know, it, it almost if it was a direct or led directly to John Stewart's origin in the New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. which we don't have, <laughs> maybe it would have been better. Mm-hmm. But but again, like I think. If we just pointed out and we now acknowledge before, if it was a, if you like John Stewart or if you just want to view it as a character piece and the fact that it doesn't really fit in anywhere else, then we could understand why you why you, you would like probably could like that issue. Um, the Derlin Kuhn thing that pretty much just just wrapped up in oh god they were the thirty threes right thirty twos. No, 33s, no. yeah. 33s, 33s, yeah, because yeah, the 34s. Of, of course, I would if I had my stupid uh, New Guardians in front of me right now that I just picked up today, I would know because at least the number would tell me. But yeah, the 30s, it, it wrapped up with a, a Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, 33s. So the 34s are something different. So that's when the storyline ends, at least we hope. Um, we're told it's en- it ends anyway. Like I said, the fatality we can't really answer. Um... Supergirl. Um, yes, you go to Supergirl. I understand your point about bugs, but I don't think we will talk about them until I do them as blogs first. Now, the reason I say that is it's kind of like um, um, I think it, I, I, I don't have my Facebook. I think Sean Engel, I think, is his name. Is how you say it? Uh, definitely Sean. Uh, the, his just one of the guys podcast. He covers a lot of and has covered a substantial amount of the Kyle Rayner stuff. I was tempted to listen to his episode whenever he covered like Parallax View or if he covered Future Shock or you know something like that. The only, but I ended up not doing that because I didn't want to hear something in his episode that I would then incorporate into my own thoughts because oh that's a good point I'll say that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted my thoughts to be entirely my thoughts. Same same kind of thing when it comes to these, these the Supergirl blogs. Even though I'd be doing both myself rather than getting an outside opinion, it's not so much that. It's the blog will help me get my opinions down concrete, and then once we t- kind of reference it in in the in a, in a future episode, I'll have already gone through it enough and made my made my mind up about various issues, and then can therefore then summarize much easier. And once I summarize, I can then direct you to. You know, if you're if you're interested in more of what I have to say about this, then you know, and then tell people where they can find the blog entry, rather than just leaving it up to to a uh, you know a short side mention. You know, I enjoyed Supergirl twenty twenty eight. That's it. I I didn't really like twenty nine. You know, I want to kind of kind of get those uh, those feelings down. And though uh, that storyline, I think, has just ended. Um, so that will be coming to you guys fairly soon. The only reason I haven't done it as of the type time we record right now is because <laughs> three, two reasons. One, when we have episodes in the can, 
I don't really feel comfortable doing anything else until the episodes are edited. It doesn't matter how many are in the can. They all have to be edited before I move on to anything else. So that's just my own mental hang-up about how I approach getting things done. And two, I have not blogged on my, especially several blogs I, I have going, but specifically my Suit of Souls blog, all about Ragman, I have not blogged on that in forever, and I finally found a torrent that has all of those Ragman issues in it, at least a, a vast majority of the ones I would be covering on that blog. And that way I can just screenshot the stuff I want to put on the blog because up until this point I've been scanning page by page every single comic book on that blog that I've reviewed. Now I'm not finding those images online and then cropping them to suit my needs. I am getting the comic book out of my long box, opening up my scanner, Putting one page down, scanning it, saving it, flipping the other page, scanning it, saving it, page by page for every single issue I've reviewed. And that is the most tedious, longest process to possibly do when you're when you're doing a blog about a character. The fact that I finally found a freaking torrent that already has all those images I'd be using is a godsend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now that I can skip the most tedious part of that whole process... I can really get back to blogging with for, with more fervor and passion for 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 you know char- a character that's one of my favorites. So you know, given my thought process, once I'm done finally editing all the stuff we have in the can, which at this point everything is edited except for this episode we're recording right now and the one that you'll hear after it, which we've already recorded. So that's just two episodes. Shouldn't take me too long. Then I need to get a couple of blogs in the can, which won't take me, but I mean, I could probably knock out three posts in two days. Uh, and then I'll get to the Supergirl stuff, but it's handy that it's already finished. <clears throat> That's true. Makes it easier. I'm just, I'm just giving you the guy. That was probably long-winded, but this is, this is, my, this is Chad's thought process. This is how I go about things. So I have a couple things in my mind, uh, like a checklist of things I want to get done in first and have to get done in a certain order, and then I'll hit the Supergirl stuff. But believe me, it's in my top five of things I want to get done. Nicely put. <laughs> uh, next email? Next email actually happens to also be from Scott. Sweet. Sweet. He goes, hi guys, I just finished your episode 184, covering all of the issue 29s. Hey, we're moving up. Uh, here are a few comments that I had. I laughed when Chad got what he wished for with the story of Hal on Earth. It turns out it was an unmemorable few pages of him visiting his brother, though. It's like a slap in the face. Here's here's what yeah, you want. Like, it sucks. Be careful what you wish for, Chad. <laughs> You've heard this all since you were a little kid. Uh, he points. He mentions uh, the badge the pronunciation that he remembered reading somewhere that it is badge. So I guess badge it is. Uh, do you guys have the feeling that St. Walker is going to come out of his depressive state and save the day at the end of the Uprising story? I do. <laughs> we don't. <No. laughs> I think I think it will have more to do with um, – I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, 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 I want to make sure we get this out before we forget the questions. <laughs> uh, but uh, one, the fact that I think this one paling character looks like St. Saint, Saint Walker, and two, the solicits we've seen for the upcoming storyline – I won't say anything yet because I, I think we'll probably just wait till we cover 32s, I guess. Maybe 32s or 33s. Um, but there is a blue ring pictured in one of the teaser images for the upcoming storyline. Which leads me to believe if a blue ring is in the picture, then a blue ring has been ignited somewhere. 
you know. Unless it's unless it's Hal's blue ring, then we're finally gonna find out what the hell happened to. <laughs> it could be. It could be. You gotta the one thing you have to give these, and you gotta give the devil the devil is due that the one the, one of the things that this new creative team is has done a good job at is either bring back obscure lanterns that they really didn't do much about, or they didn't do anything with in the past, and now they kind of give them something to do, or bring and bringing some guys out of cold storage like Sodom Yat and, and creating. Yes, which we just find, which as we as we will discover in the next episode, <laughs> it goes all the way back to being listed in the Sinestro Corps War secret files, <laughs> that uh, and creating some interesting new lanterns. So you have to give them their due that they have, and you know whether it was Von Daggle or Soto Miat, they've kind of dug some things out of the past. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they might take that Jeff John, another Jeff John's unresolved. Uh, plot point and make it count mm-hmm. but uh we know i actually had a great this this hit me like a like a i think it was right before a day or two before i'm not going to go into it because it, it's not really relevant at the moment but if you want to know scott i'll email you that uh the uh, i had a not quite a vision but i had a perfect idea how they could have got saint walker back into the game by the end of you know at the end of uprising but of course um saint walker is still pretty much in the same position that he's in. Yeah. I suspect based on, yes, probably not until the event that happens in the fall. Well, I think, unfortunately, they're going to drag this out a little bit longer with St. Walker. But who knows? Maybe by that event, they'll deal with the st- stupid emotional spectrum being finite. Maybe they'll, maybe that'll resolve that, too. Um, next point. You guys are hilarious when you're talking about how the Durland storyline keeps going on and on and on and on. Well, we still got a few more issues to do, so I'm glad you like it because I'm sure you're going to get more of it. <laughs> the best comedy is comedy based in truth. <laughs> we tell it like it is. We're, we're keeping it real. <laughs> real boring. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you guys were going to touch, and you kind of did, you're going to touch on Supergirl because I wonder if you guys were going to touch on Supergirl 29. Yes. Strangely, Supergirl 28 and 29 came. I mean, come before Red Lantern's 28. I think the timing of the flip book really screwed things up. Anyway, after she, he mentions the, ra- the Rages of Lobo again. Um, Do you, did you find it odd that Supergirl became a Red in the first place? Would Jeff Johns ever have imagined this? Um, no, and that's only because I recently read an interview with Tony Bedard ref- referring to the final wrap-up of, uh, of uh, the Supergirl storyline, and this is... He didn't like where Kara was emotionally for most of the New 52. So he put her in this storyline to fix that. And it's, it's basically a means to him, which I, which, I, which I like. It wasn't like Tony came on the book and then suddenly, I don't like how she was, so I'm going to make some BS stuff up for this one issue so I can suddenly change her personality. Now, he had... He's like, well, I need to get her from point A to point B. What's a logical way to do that? And he, you know, in his in his mind with his experience, this is what he came up with. And I respect him for that. It wasn't just a, well, let's just use this one issue as a BS kind of excuse to kind of change your personality how I want it to be and move on from there. No, he's he is slowly evolving her, um, which which I enjoy and I prefer. And as far as Lobo goes, this is the second time he's mentioned Lobo, I think. Yeah. Uh, Lobo is getting his own series, which is not really uh, relevant to what he's talking about other than the fact that he mentioned Lobo. 
Um, but evidently Lobo will be getting his own series. Um, I don't know when it starts, but I have already seen it solicited. So. I was going to say, but we'll probably have a good idea when it's going to end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense to Lobo fans, but there are some books that come out you can almost circle. <laughs> you know they're getting canceled. That that one witch boy thing that's been solicited doesn't look all that interesting. But then again, I've that's one of the very very few DC characters I've never heard of. Yeah, it sounds odd. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So he goes. He mentions the new Guardian issues with the God Killers is excellent. Justin Jordan is really doing well with these small contained stories. I think we both agree with that. Yep. Uh. Did you guys happen to pick up the Adventures of Superman number 11? It was absolutely fantastic with Brainiac using the Green Lantern that was assigned to protect Krypton to find Superman. I was hoping you had some thoughts on this. Has the DC Universe ever addressed this before regarding the Green Lantern not being able to save Krypton? Yes. This actually was the best Green Lantern issue of the month. Awesome issue. And thanks from the head of your Canadian contingent, Scott. There was an issue of Superman that... um and there was it was it was a, it was an issue. I don't remember if it was Action Comics or Man of Steel or Superman or something. But in the back of it, there was a story about uh, uh, Tomar Ray. Yep. And Tomar Ray was the lantern of the sector that Krypton was in on the day it exploded. If you want to, we've actually covered it on the show before. So if you want to listen to the Elseworlds episode in which Jim and I talked about. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the storyline. There was a there was an issue. There was a, a a crossover basically, where it's basically kind of like a what if thing. If Superman was sent to Oa, Ran, Thanagar, and Mars. Yes, I think that's it. Uh, and uh, it's one of Gemini's favorite issues. Uh, so it's I think it's uh, either ish uh, episode. This is gonna sound stupid, but it's either it's 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 either episode three, four, or five, or six. Shit, <laughs> I don't know of of the Elseworlds. It still narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, of, of of the Elseworlds podcast in which we talk about that issue I just told you about of uh, uh, of Superman where he's sent to Oa, and because it's just one issue that we're covering rather than like a prestige format book or something, we also talk about the issue and the the the, the backup story where Tomar. Is a uh, is is a lantern during uh, during Krypton's explosion, and it's more of Tomar is about to retire from the Green Lantern Corps, and they're kind of reviewing the Guardians are kind of reviewing his you know most trying time as a lantern. You know, can you retire with dignity, kind of a thing. Uh, as far as my thoughts on number eleven, uh, uh, number eleven of Adventures of Superman, have you read it, Mark? No, I didn't. Uh, that is list. That is item number four. So item number one. Edit all episodes. Item number two: tackle my some of my uh, get some uh, posts knocked out for my Ragman blog. Item number three: do the Supergirl stuff. Item number four: Adventures of Superman number eleven. I have read it. I did enjoy it. They even referenced the Tomar Ray story kind of and didn't really throw it out of continuity. So I do I do enjoy that as well. So item number four on my list will be getting to that <laughs> in a blog post on the uh, site. Cool. Next. Next, from Andy. Uh, Hi, guys. Thanks for two solid episodes. Only two? No, I'm going to kidding. Because <laughs> he's talking about episodes 180, 184 and 185. Uh, it, <laughs> it is great that you're nearly caught up. Well done. Thank you. 
Uh, I've been thinking about some of the issues arising from episode 184, where you were commenting on the discussion between Superman and Guy Gardner, Red Lantern's number 29, where Superman seemed not to know Guy when they first met in Red Lantern's 29, although a few page few pages later he did. He seems not to have super memory as one of his powers. Given that Guy was already in the JLI at the beginning of the New 52, you would have thought Superman knew who he was at least. Superman is a dick in the New 52. That's all you need to know. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. And the fact that we know the New 52 has no real... The roadmap only goes to the to like uh, <laughs> the corner of the next page and then it completely changes. Yep. <laughs> we don't know where the hell we're going. <laughs> uh, it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. Uh, and they shake it up all, all the time. Uh so how about doing a review of the new 52 origin stories for the Green Lanterns and compare with the previous origins in a future episode? Mm-hmm. There's, there are some aspects of the new 52 origins that make parts of the continuity somewhat problematic. Well, that's to say the least. <laughs> I think the only time we'll be able to do that is once the Secret Origins comic has officially done stories for all the Lanterns. I think they've already done Hal, right? Yes, they ha- and I have that issue. Not that it really does much. Right. And as far as they haven't done it, I think they might have solicited for one other lantern. I don't know. But I think as long as either until the Secret Origins comic gets canceled or until the Secret Origins comic has done uh, uh, an origin issue for uh, uh, all of the Earth-based lanterns, then we'll get around to that. Sounds like a plan. Uh, next point, as an example, we have recently seen Kyle and his father. Given that for most of the 1990s, Kyle was looking for his father, a man who left Kyle and his mother when Kyle was young. They suddenly seem close, and what of Kyle's mother? Uh, this seems like a change for the sake of change. It doesn't add anything to Kyle's personality. I think we covered that at Kyle's mo- Sorry. No, I think, I think we covered that at length. Yeah, it was, it was really jarring to see Kyle su- suddenly super close with his dad in that one issue. Was it the annual? Yes. Yeah. That was that was one of my big contention points with that issue, is the fact that we barely saw Kyle get introduced to his father for the first time in God knows how many years in the first Lantern story arc, and now all of a sudden he's like, I know my son, my son wouldn't do this kind of a thing. So. And I assume Kyle's mother is still dead. I assume, because we haven't really even heard anything mentioned of her, so... And that kind of, and again that that since we're even though we're always led to believe every most things with Green Lantern stayed the same heading into the new Fifty Two until they decide to randomly change it on us. Yeah. <laughs> that at the moment we assume Kyle was still Parallax, so we assume that his since his mother and again who the hell knows because we know Coast City supposedly didn't blow up, but yet Hal was still Parallax. So so forget my point just goes right out the window. I'm assuming she's dead. <laughs> Chad assumes she's dead. Yeah, but who the hell knows? Yeah. She could show up tomorrow. <laughs> I don't like this Carol bitch. Uh, his Mama Rainer does not approve. That's right. She's too old for you. <laughs> uh, and Guy, did Warrior ever happen? Presumably, presumably Mace didn't even exist in the New 52. I don't know if Warrior ever happened at all. I mean, I never read Warrior all that much until only when it started tying in with... Uh, Zero hour and different things like that, and I have a majority I, of the issues. I haven't read a single one yet. I'm waiting until I, I have all of them. Yeah, I don't know because I mean, every every birth was in full continuity. Then he was. They kind of touched on that Voldarian thing in the beginning of Rebirth, but I don't know. Probably didn't happen. If I had to bet on that one, I would say it probably didn't happen. Yeah. 
Uh, we, ne- we have now had confirmation that Hal's Jeff John's origin still stands. Well, at least most of it. Yeah. I mean, the basics of it. They didn't go into everything he did. Uh, at least, although this has changed from both the 1959 origin and from Emerald Dawn, could be an interesting point for discussion, which kind of ties back into his other question. Hal's, I mean, let's be honest. Hal's had so many damn origins. As as the running joke is, how many different ways can Ebenser die? <laughs> <laughs> that I guess at one point it could be interesting to go back and do that to talk about the you know differences and the and the origins, at least picking up the major points, um, the differences in the origins. Obviously, the secret origin issue that they just came out didn't really touch upon anything with Atrocitus or Black Hand or Sinestro or anything related to the fallout from uh, uh, Abin's death. But the basic concept stayed intact, which kind of made as far, kind of made the story almost pointless from my point of view. But yeah, it could be interesting to compare origins. Yeah. So that's that. Pretty much wraps up that email. Uh, we have we have James, and James goes. Uh, first, let me say that you guys are doing a great job in catching up. Second, I agree that the Red Lanterns is the best Lantern book. But they don't seem like they are fueled with rage. Rage is out of control anger. While I think the mindless reds under Atrocitus, I think he means are less interesting. I think that the new reds should lose control more often. What do you think about that? Kind of interesting. It makes it makes sense. But if you had a comic about mindless rage monsters the entire time, it'd be canceled in a few issues. Unless it's the Hulk, and even that, maybe, and considering the number of titles the Hulk has had over the last ten years, maybe it just proves your point even more. <laughs> Also, it's because people don't know what the hell to do with him. Uh, you got to have some coherency in there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think much like – I think part of it is we're seeing, we're seeing more and more like further definition of the of the cores, I think. Um, we're kind of just – we were dealing with it now with Sinestro Core, the idea that their job isn't just – as Sinestro just pointed out in, in this in the first three issues that it, of his series, it isn't just about making people afraid. It's kind of like basically trying to in, enforce justice and order through fear, that there's a method to the madness. And I think we're seeing that kind of mentality, that approach factor in into the, into the Reds now, which, you know, I think as far as Chad and I are concerned, has made the book a hell of a lot more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um. And it is, and again, it's not. It's like, it's like all the other, all the other cores. You don't have to have, you know, a full, you know, rage on at the moment if you're a Red Lantern, to in order, in order, you know, to still be a Red Lantern. Just like you don't have to have the utmost willpower every single moment of the of the day. You just need to have will. You know, you just need to have will in you. You need to have rage in you. And I don't mean like oh, once in a great while, like you, you know, you'll you'll get you'll get angry. I mean, obviously, you have a red ring for a reason because you are prone to rage and because there's a lot of anger issues inside of you. So it's just a matter of focusing it. And now that they've been made, thanks to the you know the blood, they've been made much more intelligent. All of them have been made intelligent at this point. All the main characters that it makes sense that they have more control over over their emotion, and that's I think that's all it comes down to. Right. Um, another issue I have is the red starting to use construct. Excuse me, constructs. It's really an issue I have with the entire spectrum. They need there needs to be a clearer, different, different, eh, differentiate, eh, differentiation in the cores and powers and motivation. Otherwise, why have different cores? Uh, guy says that he feels at home with the reds, but he seems softer as a red than a green. Maybe the red should kill sometimes. 
Oh, we'll see. We see dead people. Uh, are we, and we will. Um, I think they are starting to differentiate between the cores on some different levels. Mm-hmm. Yes, it kind of was unique when the Reds really couldn't make constructs except for basically Hal and Guy when they when they were possessed. Um, they're kind of given they've given us an explanation because of Rancor why they're able to make constructs now. So whether it's believable or a great explanation, they've kind of have given us one. Um, they do have different, you know, they all kind of have their different power sets and different abilities, but there are some common commonality to it, which is why they're all lanterns. Yeah, you know, so I mean, not nobody spits out the the blood napalm except the red, so that's that's you. That's unique to them. The the indigo is able to you know to channel the other, to teleport, channel the other emotions, so that they all have their they all have their unique power sets and what and what they can do. But they have but the, all the rings have always had some commonality, including you know flight and basic protection and things like that. So so I don't I don't necessarily see a big issue with what we're with the reds using the constructs on that level. What do you think? No, I mean, uh, they, they had more defined differences during, like, Blackest Night and stuff when one ring interacting with in proximity to another would cause various side effects and stuff, all of which they've kind of let go by now. I think if they brought... I don't even think they have to establish or create new stuff. I think they can just... If they just bring back the old stuff, that would be enough to differentiate the cores. True. And plus, actually, on large scales, I mean, we haven't had a lot of core interaction lately. Yeah. Which, to, again, some people find that a good thing. Uh, but it's, it's, it might sound like it's coming to an end a little in the fall, but that's kind of still vague. It seems mostly still like a Green Lantern event, even though it does carry through all the books. So I guess, I guess it does. What it doesn't mean necessarily is some of the cores that have been off off the radar screen, whether they're going to have any more of an impact, or whether it's just all basically all the cores or that have books are represented in the current books. Right. Um, lastly, I watched the Green Lantern movie for the second time, and it changed my opinion. I often think that comic fans are too harsh. They either love a movie or think it is the worst ever made. I thought that the Green, Lan- I thought that the Green, the Green Lantern was judged too harsh and maybe a B quality and an A through F scale. However, on second viewing, I think the movie that movie is terrible. It isn't Ryan Reynolds or Blake Lively. It is just poorly edited and a bad plot. Plus, they attempted to put everything Green Lantern into one movie. I, I think he meant I don't understand. Or no, I, I now understand. That's it. I now understand why Warner Brothers would distance themselves from this movie. Although I want Hal in the Justice League, I can see why they would go with John to get away from that movie. Yep. You want to talk about it first? Or you want me? I mean, we've said it before. I mean, there's not much more that needs to be said. I think we agree. It's Was Ryan and Blake the absolute ideal, you know, correct casting for those characters? No, um, but I don't think they acted poorly for what they're capable of. Uh, so I agree with I would agree, and I think you would agree too that the the fault for that lies mostly within the writer director combo. Yes, uh, it's definitely was the script. Uh, I kind of was excited, and once eventually we'll do the movie commentary, which would be a cool thing to do, and we'll probably talk about this more. I was. Actually, I was excited when they changed the villain of the movie from Legion, who most people don't really know about and really hasn't done much in Green Lantern lore, to Parallax. But then they they kind of didn't do they didn't really make it paral the Parallax that would have had an impact. If you're going to do Parallax, they should have made it Parallax, <laughs> just like they should have made it crystal clear that it was Krona possessed by Parallax, and that's why he looked the way he did, and yada yada. 
I don't think the movie was terrible. I don't think it was great. I do. I my opinion is still the opinion, kind of what he expressed, how what his what his initial opinion was that the movie might have been like a a B, and they kind of they, it got judged too harshly. I don't really think it was significantly more horrible than Thor. Not that I think Thor was horrible at all. I just don't think. I think there were just so many. There are a lot of comic book movies that year. There was a lot of reasons not. There were a lot of fair reasons to be skeptical about that movie. I pointed. I've always said this, and I always will. The Warner Brothers marketed that movie horribly. They did nothing to market that movie until right, like to like May when the movie was coming out in June, and then they just forced it down everybody's throats. Every single commercial on ESPN, Green Lantern, Green Lantern. They just did a horrible job. But the scripting was was the main problem with that movie. It could have been better. Could have been directed better. Um, I don't think the I don't agree. I don't agree that they crammed everything Green Lantern into one movie. I don't really think that was really true. Um, they didn't really, other than maybe the images at the end with the in the sky, uh, during the credits when you saw the other colors. They didn't really hint at all the other cores all that much. They did give you the Sinestro ending, which yes, the credit scene, which didn't make a lot of sense based on the Sinestro we saw in the movie, but they could have made that work because you don't know when in context he was putting on the ring. Um, but that being said, there's still no proof that they're not going with Hal. In fact, all the rumors, especially with the announcement of if that is accurate, and I guess we'll know relatively soon since Comic-Con's coming out or, or taking place, that if the Green Lantern Flash team-up movie is actually going to be on the WB uh, release schedule, that you can pretty much take it to the bank then, that it's going to be Hal, because the only other Green Lantern they could really use in a team-up movie would kind of be Kyle, and that would only work with Wally, and you know Wally's not going to be anywhere near any a movie anytime soon. So it does seem like they're going with Hal, and maybe, maybe who knows, maybe we'll actually get it's one of the few roles that hasn't been cast yet. When you think about it, there's a few only a few major character roles that are, haven't been cast yet. Maybe they're not going to be in the, the Batman movie, or maybe they're just waiting to, you know, maybe it's a big name. Who knows? But I would suspect it, it is going to be Hal, and I'm glad it's going to be Hal. And that's what I think about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Is there anything else to that email? No, that's that, that was the end of that email. So then Jesse has another email. Uh, he apolo- He says he apologizes for a long email. It's really not that long. Um, uh, I'm enjoying the podcast. Keep up the good work. Since you keep asking for it, I decided to give you a bit of feedback. Something has been bothering me about Supergirl as a Red Lantern. Uh, this kind of goes back to kind of, I think, what James had mentioned. Um, I think, uh, or, was, or was it Scott? Either why didn't Hal and Guy recognize her? I guess in the New 52, Carrie didn't come to Earth until after they had departed for all the outer space storylines. I'm guessing that sometimes after Hal left the Justice League. I even picked up the New Secret Origins number one to see if it fell in the blanks of when Kara arrived on Earth, and it didn't. Any thoughts on that? Uh, not really. Yeah, I, I think it's... As we kind of... as At this point, our, our basic answer to most of these is they probably don't have a great idea of what happened in the new 52 either. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's not a set. There's a lot of things that time timing wise don't necessarily seem to fit or contradict. So I think that it might be as simple as that. And yes, there seems to be some rec- some issues with maybe they should have recognized her probably more as we pointed out more along the lines of why Superman didn't recognize guy. That seems to be more of a, a 
snafu, I think, in figuring in timing wise, plot wise. Uh, I also wanted to give you some feedback on your last few of the podcast. First, some things where I agree with New Guardians and Red Lanterns are the best Lantern books right now, but Sinestro has a possibility to upstage them. I think we probably agree with that, right? Uh, I would say so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Green Lantern and Core need to do some separate stories and get away from the intertwined crossover. We probably agree with that too. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the Durlin storyline is dragging on too long. Yeah. Praise Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Amen, brother. The Coons are not really necessary to the storyline, and I actually think they are a distraction. It seems that their only purpose was to build armor for the Ancients. Eh, that's probably true, too. And to give Hal that nice little Star Trek bonding moment on the spaceship when they were fighting. Um, I'm glad to see that some old lanterns old lanterns are back, especially Sodom Yacht. Yay, Sodom Yacht, back for one issue, gone for another. <laughs> uh, I love Goran's son. He's a very cool lantern. Amen. I think... I think we definitely agree with that. And a few things I disagree with you on. Hey, now. No, I'm kidding. I am actually enjoying the Durlin storyline, even if it is dragging out. Dragging out. You're a good man. <laughs> my, my, my thought on the whole Durlin thing is there are absolutely a couple of good points about it. You know, Sodom Yacht coming back, blah, blah, blah. But... I am overall negative about it because it's kind of like I don't support something that I don't agree with, and I don't agree with the several issue, and not only issue, but also crossover type event storyline that lasts forever. I don't care if it's a fantastic storyline or a crappy storyline, which, which will kind of contradict itself when you hear our next episode and what we cover there. But I think that uh, even that storyline that we'll be covering next episode did not go on as long as the Durlin storyline. Yeah, that's probably true. And when it flowed from one to another, from one storyline to the next, there were clear differentiations between the storylines. That's true. Yeah. Because one dealt with one. Yeah, because they basically dealt with different things. Yeah. They dealt with different things under a big umbrella. And then, and plus back then. Yeah, as well as we know, they were. You didn't have to spread it around as much. Let's just leave it at that. Um, I enjoyed the Laura Flea series. It wasn't great, but it was a fun read. I even thought the interactions with Stargrave were humorous. Well, I guess once we reread the series or read the series, then I guess uh, we'll have a better idea <laughs> if that's if we agree with you on that or not. We'll start with Threshold and let you know. Oh, God. That's, I just like saying if you, that. Every... If you would just stop saying that, I'd be so much more enthusiastic for it. <laughs> uh, but as I, when I respond, when I responded to Jesse, I pointed out that the I actually thought the Laura Flea series did get better as it went on. I, haven't, the last few, I have not read any of it yet. I thought the last few issues were better, and I do happen to suspect that I will have a – I will be – a little more, at least a little more in agreement when Jesse, when I go back and reread the whole series as a whole and actually pay attention to everything that, it, including some of the parts of it that it, when you're first flipping through it, don't doesn't mean much to you and you gloss over it. I suspect I will probably like it a little bit more than I did when I first read it, especially the first four or five issues. But we'll we'll know 
I don't want to say soon enough because God, I hope it's not. But we will we will know eventually whether you know what our thoughts are on that and whether we agree with you as a whole. Um, number three, uh, I don't think Chris Pine would make a good Hal Jordan, but I haven't seen him in anything except the Star Trek movies. I was not impressed with his portrayal of Captain Kirk. Yeah, I mean, to each his own. <laughs> yeah, I th- I think he would be fine as Hal Jordan. I think I think Kirk and Hal Jordan are, are very similar characters. The, the only difference would be if he was playing Hal Jordan, he obviously would have to play a Hal. At this point, he would have to play a Hal Jordan who was a little more Kirk-like as in Shatner Kirk-like, he would have to have his cockiness and his confidence, which is basically the main difference between, in a way, between Pine's Kirk and Shatner's Kirk, is that he's got got some cockiness and some arrogance to him, but yet he's not, he doesn't have the confidence, he's not as confident, and he's not as experienced, and that's the difference, but I blame it more on the writing, even though I enjoyed both the Star Trek reboot movies, I blame it more on the writing, and that's how they have written Kirk so far. Chris Pine has done good work in other movies. Um, I pointed out to Jesse that he should go see Smoke and Aces, which is kind of interesting because both he and Ryan Reynolds are actually both in that movie together. <laughs> so that would be a good – to see Chris Pine play an entirely different character, that would be a good movie to see. That's pretty much it for this email. He goes – he looks forward to our reviews of the 31s and beyond. End of Sinestro. Sinestro. Which we just did. And we got one. Which we just did. We got one final yep, email, have, right? Yes, we have one final emo, email from Scott. Let's burn through it. That's right. Guys, I just finished up episodes 185 to 187 and have a few random thoughts. The Durland story is getting very stale, you think? Uh, I'm, also, I'm also not a fan of the concept of the Durland. So basically, anyone can be a Durland because they're shape shifting. Now we can't take anyone in the Green Lantern universe at face value. I think this is weak, and the current current arc suffers from this type of villain. You want me to roll through all these, and then we just talk about what we want? Yeah. Or do you, okay. Another concept that is stale is the fact that the Lanterns are de- depleting the reservoir. Yes, preaching to the choir again. This makes the Green Lantern universe less exciting, because whenever Mogo moves an inch, I get worried about the reservoir is being depleted. Uh, the current arc is suffering from this concept, too. Chad yawning on the show is pretty funny. Don't get too comfy on the, in that chair, Chad. <sighs> Uh, <laughs> Trust me, this, this, this I've I've now already moved into my new place, uh, and so I'm back in the uncomfortable plastic chair. Less yawning. <laughs> less le- less, less yawning. yawning. Less yawning. More chair squeaking. Yeah. More sore butts. Uh, I really enjoyed Red Lantern number thirty with the new villain Judge Charles Sewell. Really knows how to create a villain. Awesome stuff. Uh. I mentioned uh, that I'm a bigger fan of Hal over than Kyle, but I started reading Green Lantern during the Kyle years. I'm curious. He's curious what specific old issues of of Hal made me like him more than Kyle. Uh, I, he says that I didn't like the end of Parallax view with Hal curled up, but he personally loved it. Great ending. Future Shock was great, and during that episode, Chad was mentioning that he misses the two book story arcs. He really thinks that Justin Jordan is doing... Um, Nice work on New Guardians right now, and his arcs are very nicely contained or one or two issue arcs. Uh, he, he hopes Justin Jordan stays motivated on this title because he's been sending out some weird tweets that imply he might be tired of working for a big company like DC. And that wraps up the email. What was the first thing he said that we were going to uh, uh, Stale Durlins. Yep. Yes. Not much to say. Uh, We've said it a billion times. Yep. The emotion of the reservoir, yes. Um... Chad yawning. Yes. 
Red Lanterns like the Judge and Red Lan- and Charles Sewell doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I kind of I answered him about the uh, the Hal Jordan thing, the, the Hal Jordan thing, without going into great details. It was more of seeing. It was more my enjoyment of Hal's parallax and how awesome he was at parallax that made me appreciate Hal and some of the flashbacks that they gave even during the Kyle run, the early part of the Kyle run. Yeah, it made me really like Hal. I went back reading some of Volume Three at that point, and I just liked it and. I like the contrast because Hal was kind of regarded as the best of the Green Lanterns. And Kyle, while he have, he's an everyman, he's a Peter Parker type, which was a good appeal to readers. But when you have a concept like Green Lantern, which is really dependent on the in- inherent worthiness of, of who was of the ring bearers, I just don't think they measured up. I like Kyle. I like his stories. But that's, one of the, that's the main reason why, in summing it up quickly. Uh, yes, I can understand... The parallax view, I kind of said it. The only reason I didn't like the ending so much was just because I think it made Hal look nutty again, and then you kind of were getting the po- thought the point of some of what was going on in that issue of, the, of these arc of the two issues was that Hal was kind of coming to a better place, and then they have him sitting there. To me, that made him look just like he didn't really improve all that much. Uh, Future Shock, yes, I think we both enjoyed it greatly. Yep. We like we really like Justin Jordan's arcs. I did point out that I'm the Carol. Kyle stuff is starting to bring me down a little. Yeah, that's the only negative it's side. Starting to, it's starting to weaken my enjoyment a little bit of the book. Um, but other than that, I still think the stories are pretty good, and it's still one of my favorite Lantern books. So, I think that that. Well, that, thank you to everybody who sent all of those emails. It is so fantastic to basically have at least one e- new email by every time we record. Uh, so that is awesome. Uh, keep sending them in, uh, and uh, guys, leave a couple of voicemails too. As, as a matter of fact, if people would like to contact us, <laughs> how would they do that? <laughs> I think they could contact us by, just as these fine gentlemen have this episode, <laughs> email us lanterncast at gmail dot com. Lanterncast at gmail dot com. You can also. Visit our website, lanterncast.com. You can access our forums. You can check out the galleries, check out our movie reviews, our blogs, products of the week. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. You can use hashtag GLCast to find us on both. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you like us on iTunes, please, please leave a positive review. Last but not least, if you would like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708 Lantern! And let us know what you think. That's right. Uh, and I'll just throw this out there. Uh, I am not going to start a LanternCast Instagram account, but there are times which I post. There have actually been a several times now, now that I think about it, which I post things on my personal Instagram that are teases for upcoming episodes of the LanternCast. Uh, for instance, the episode you will hear after this one, 191, I have already, as of right now, I have already teased on my personal Instagram. Uh, so if you guys want to follow me on my Instagram, just uh, just uh, search on on Instagram for a hashtag GLCast. I can guarantee you I'm pretty much the only person on Instagram using that hashtag, and I guarantee you'll find me. So once you find the uh, uh, an image that's posted with the hashtag GLCast, 
click on it, and then it'll probably lead you over to my uh, Instagram profile. Uh, lately, I've been posting more comic-related stuff on there than personal, but just be aware that there are some things on there that I post that are personal to me. And I don't mean like, you know, I don't want you to see it, but so much, you know, just that it's not going to be strictly Lantern Cast stuff. Uh, but there are definitely some things in there that might be of interest to you guys. So uh, Instagram, search hashtag GLCast. Nicely done. So, guys, we will see you next episode. No listener feedback on next episode, but trust me, it's worth it. Yes, it's a very cool episode, one we've been waiting to do for a while. Um, luckily, with the even though we technically, as we speak, are not 100% caught up anymore, we're relatively, we're only a few... Technically, we're two episodes away at any time now from being caught up <laughs> that hopefully we'll be able to do a few more of the issues we've been building towards um, different different things that have been on our plate for a while that are not complete tangents, but you know, still seriously Green Lantern related. So hopefully we will be doing those soon and doing more of them. And before you know it, we will be re- finishing up uh, Uprising and be back and caught up to date. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Good night, everybody. Good night.